want to encourage you to be praying for Dr. Savell, Miss Carolyn. You know, he is the apostle of this house, and and it's important for us to to hook up with the founding pastors of this church, and they entrust Annette and I to oversee, you know, the operations of the church. But we understand the importance of of the apostolic head and, and encourage you to be praying for him in this season because I know he is setting his setting their hearts to hear from God for us, not just for us, but for the body of Christ. You know, going on fifty four years in ministry and I, we know this is the time of year where the Lord speaks to him direction for the next year and um, and I'm excited about when he has the opportunity to minister that word to us. But sow the seed of of prayer over him. Amen. You know, pray that Paul said, said, pray for me. Paul was an apostle. He said, pray for me, right? That I might have utterance, right? To speak boldly the mysteries of the gospel. So let's pray for our, our uh, apostles of our house. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Dr. Savell and Miss Carolyn. Lord, I thank you. We receive them as a gift into our lives as a church family, as a, as a body of believers and Lord, we declare that they hear from you. Lord, I declare that they operate in wisdom beyond their years and beyond their experience. Lord, they operate in the seeing and the knowing. I thank you, Lord, for just word and season. I thank you for words and season that will come forth for 2023 for those that are weary. Because we know the mandate on this ministry for the last 54 years is to make winners in life. So thank you, Lord. For directing them and where they're to speak, what they're to speak, their connections. Thank you that they're always in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people. And I thank you that everything they set their hand to prospers. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 10, 38. And we'll get here in a moment. I've been talking, I talked been talking about. I mean, even starting back in the late summer or late spring, early summer, I talked about being strong in spirit. We went in and we started talking about uh, it tied into righteousness, and then we went in and talk, talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. And uh, and so the last uh, really three weeks, uh, I started talking about the fire of God, what the purpose of the fire of God is, and how we've been sanctified, meaning set apart by the Holy Spirit. That's what Corinthians tells us. Uh, we've talked about how. How that the one who has established us and anointed us is God. And, and just how God poured out upon Jesus when he was baptized the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Jesus sent and poured out the Holy Spirit on all flesh. Right? And so, so we, we establish that, that we as the body of Christ are anointed. I want you to realize that you're anointed. You are anointed. I know that sounds like a real spiritual word, but but you need to understand that you are so much more than you think you are. You're a child of God. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. You have the greater one living on the inside of you. Now, as I established this this morning in the direction that we're going to take, I want to ask you a question. Are you believing for a miracle? Do you need a miracle? How many people need a financial miracle? How many people, you need need to get direction from God? You you realize that anything comes from God is a miracle? (laughs) 
The Lord gave me a definition of a miracle many years ago. And I say many years ago like I'm old or something. But, um, but by the way, thank you. Thank you for all the gifts and kind words and celebrating my birthday. I so appreciate that. Thank you for the gifts and, and thank you. But 49, I'm still young. I'm, hey, I'm not even halfway there yet. So, hey. I forgot what I was going to say now, but what was I saying? (laughs) Need a miracle. That's it. You need a miracle. So anything that comes from God is a miracle. And the definition, the Lord said, a miracle is when the divine intersects with the ordinary and removes every limitation. You know, the Lord asked Brother Copeland, he asked, what, what is the nature of God? I can't remember actually how, how the context was. Or someone asked Brother Copeland, or he was telling someone, they asked, what's the nature of God? And they said, miraculous. And Brother Copeland said, no, the nature of God is abundance. Because if you have abundance, then you don't need a miracle. Does that make sense? So, so, so what, what the miracle is, is when God intersects with my ordinary and removes every limitation. So if you, you're believing God for wisdom, what, that, that is something that's coming from God to remove limitations in your life. Don't, don't limit a miracle to just, just a healing or, or this, that, or the other. It's, it's anytime God is intersecting with your life, you're seeing His, he's, you're seeing His ability come into your life to bring you to a place of abundant life. Amen. Can I get an amen? So you need a miracle. I need a, there's things I'm believing for. Maybe you're believing for a spouse. Maybe you're believing for, for relationships. Maybe you're believing to, to establish a business. Maybe you're believing God for uh, different things, whatever it is. But you have to understand, I don't want a counterfeit. I don't, I don't, want, a, I don't want a counterfeit. I don't want a, I don't want a counterfeit destiny. I, you know what? The enemy will try to move you away from your death. I don't, want, I don't want anything that the enemy has to offer. Everything I, I want to operate in my life, I want it come, come from the kingdom of heaven. Yes. Hallelujah. So this morning, I'm going to talk about how to receive a miracle from God. And it might be different than what you think. Let's look at Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. So here we're talking about the anointing. Because you are anointed, right? So first off, as we go on this journey this morning, I want you to see you're anointed for a purpose. You're not anointed just so you can say you're anointed. You're anointed for a purpose. Can you say that with me? I'm anointed for a purpose. How God anointed Jesus Christ, actually Jesus of Nazareth, with the Holy Ghost and power. So he was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power. 
But it was for a purpose. The anointing is for a purpose. Now, there is a, what I like to call, an anointing to live. And that would be the grace of God. That is an anointing for everyday life. But when I, as I'm talking about the anointing today, I'm not just, I'm, I'm more referring to, to the Holy Ghost and power that's upon your life. The Holy Ghost and power on your life isn't just so you can say you're charismatic or Pentecostal. The Holy Ghost and power is upon your life for a purpose. Is not to say, hey, we had a great service and we all ran around. But what did the running around produce in your life? It should have produced some sort of freedom. Well, I fell out under the power of God. Well, praise the Lord, but did you get up different? There's some people that travel from meeting to meeting just to have a sensational experience. But the point is, what did you hear? What did you see? And how did it change you? So the purpose of the Holy Ghost and power is to take you to the destiny, not for you to stay and sit back and say, oh, we're a spirit-filled church. And I go from meeting to meeting to meeting and listen to this prophet and that prophet. But the thing is, is it changing you? Is it changing you? Is it taking you towards your destiny? I don't just want to say, hey, we showed up in church and we had a great time. I want to know, I want you to know on Monday morning when you woke up and you said, hey, what I heard yesterday changed me. And it is taking me somewhere. See, I'm a pastor and I'm a gift whether you realize it to your life. Now, I didn't, I'm not saying that. God said that. He gives. Apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers. To equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So I'm here today to equip us to change South Fort Worth and Crowley, Texas or whatever community God has you in. So Jesus was anointed not just to say, he he could say, I have the Holy Ghost on me. No, he was anointed with a purpose and it was to go about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. So Jesus was anointed with a purpose. You're anointed with a purpose. You're anointed with a purpose. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. I'll read this in the New King James. It says, For we are His... Workmanship. One of the verse during worship, I said that we would no longer live to and for ourselves, but to Him who died for Him. Paul said, "My life is not my own, what? But I've been bought with a price. You are not your own. The anointing on your life is not strictly for your personal daily life." But the anointing and the Holy Ghost and power on your life is for someone else. For we are His workmanship. Created. That word created in the Greek means I've been completely transformed. I've been completely changed. Created. Meaning it's not just, it's not when you got born again, Some it wasn't just... I've been redeemed. Yes, that took place. But it said you are his workmanship created. 
Look it up in the, in the Greek. It's completely transformed or completely changed. I'm his workmanship. I am that, I am the clay that's on the potter's wheel and he is shaping me and molding me and changing me exactly into what he has destined and, and called me to be. For I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts of plans of peace and not evil to give you hope in your final outcome. Jeremiah 29 11. In other words, I know the thoughts that I have for you. That word thoughts is where we get our English word machine from. And it means when he says, I know the thoughts, Kyle, Kyle, he's saying, I know why I created you and I know the purpose that you'll accomplish. We are his workmanship. I'm I'm his workmanship. Understand that this morning, man, you're his workmanship. You're created by God. And there's, there's things in you that no one else can do but you. There's people that, that, that God's going to bring past, uh, past your, uh, your pathway that He's wanting to, you to reach, that He's wanting you to touch. You're His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. What? For good works. So you're not just created and transformed for the sake of being created and transformed. You're recreated. You're created for a purpose. What? For good works. You say, well, well, Pastor Justin, you know, my salvation isn't based on works. This has nothing to do with your salvation. This has to do with your calling as a believer. There's not earning salvation here. Hebrews chapter 10, 27, Paul, or whoever wrote the book of Hebrews saying, saying, provoke one another unto love and to good works. As you see the day approaching, don't, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together as you see the day approaching. Meaning, meaning here, I'm here to provoke us to good works this morning. I better make this statement as I go forward. So often we're wanting to wanting a miracle. We all raised our hands, right? There's something you're believing for, right? But let me establish this in our hearts this morning. Instead of being so focused on the miracle you need, instead of so consumed of what's not happening, so consumed of what you don't have, let's be a miracle. Let's be a miracle. Stop being so worried about about how things are going to happen. What's going to turn out. Instead, make a decision. I'm going to be the miracle. Why? Because I was created with and for a purpose. We are His workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. I'm, you're created for good works. You're created to do good things. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Some people would be like, well, I was so more excited when you were talking about how do I get my miracle. So you... So I was excited until you said I have to be the one first, but first <laughs> Peter chapter two, verse nine. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 
I want to read this in the Amplified. It says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation, God's own, purchased, a special people, that you may set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. We could, I, I could invert the scripture and say it like this. Because you've been called out of darkness into His marvelous light, I should set forth the wonderful deeds and display His virtues. You know, we like the part that, that we're a chosen generation. We're a real royal priesthood, right? We like those things, but here, it's, the purpose is for me to set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of Him who called you. So as me being a child of God, me being a chosen generation, my whole, whole point is something should emanate from my life. Something should flow through from my life. Something should, should go out of my life. Why? Because I'm not in darkness anymore. I'm in light now. And because I'm in light, something should flow out of my life into someone else's life. I, I'm to operate. I'm created for good works. You're created for good works. Now, something I've discovered throughout Scripture is that when God wanted to do something in the earth, oftentimes, yeah, they, very rarely did you see Him doing something sovereignly. But most of the time, He was always looking for a man or a woman to accomplish something. Let's go to Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2. Thank you, Father. Verse 23. It says, Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died, and then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out, and their cry came unto God because of their bondage. So God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. Let's go to chapter 3. Let's look at verse, uh, say, verse 7. And the Lord, and this is right after God showed up to Moses in a burning bush. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry... Because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Now listen, so I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. So God's saying, I have come down to deliver them. So God is, is saying, look, I'm going to bring about a miracle in their life. But let's look at verse 10. Come now, therefore, and I will send you. Wait a minute. God, I thought you were coming down. I, God, I, God, you said, wait a minute, God, you said you were coming down, but wait a minute, uh, but now you, wait a minute, come on, God, now, come now. I, I love how it says, come now, meaning this is urgency, this is, hey, you've been in the wilderness long enough, Moses. 
You've been in the wilderness long enough. You've been gathering these sheep long enough. Come now. Therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh. Meaning, yes, I want to do a miracle, but Moses is going to happen through you. I'm going to bring about a miracle to all the children of Israel that are crying to me, but it is going to happen through you. You're going to say that? (laughs) Some people have a tendency to have a wilderness mentality. And, and it's like they're going through this wilderness in life and, and it doesn't matter what that wilderness might seem like. But, but all of a sudden it's like they're waiting for something to change when all of a sudden God's just wanting you to be obedient. There's some people in this season of their life, he's saying, come now, I've sent you over here. But you're like, but God, I'm waiting for the miracle. But God, I'm waiting for you to do this. I'm waiting till I have the position in the title. I'm waiting for this and I'm waiting for that. You can wait the rest of your life and you'll still be on the backside of the desert. You know what? Moses could have rejected this. Just like you might have rejected God. And he would have to find somebody else in the wilderness. Somebody else to go get his people free. Sometimes we think these, all, all of a sudden these things are going to be automatic. No, these are real men and women of God. Go to 2 Samuel chapter 5. So God used a man as it pertained to the children of Israel to get them out of their bondage. 2 Samuel chapter 5. While you're turning there, just this is this isn't about the life of David. And we know what David was anointed in 1 Samuel chapter 16, right? And we know that that in order to get Goliath, defeat Goliath, God didn't send a lightning bolt to destroy Goliath. He sent a man. He he sent a man. But what was the anointing for on David's life? Look at verse 12. So David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel and that he exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. You know, what, what I mean by that is David knew. This is, this is what David knew. David realized that he wasn't anointed just for the sake of him being anointed. God established him. What, how did he establish him? He anointed him by, by the prophet Samuel. That's how we established him. So David knew that he was established the king. And and David knew that his kingdom exalted for only one purpose. It was for the sake of the people. So understand the anointing on your life is not for you. The anointing on your life is always for other people. So God had to use this man, David, to go defeat a Goliath. He had to become the miracle. Stop waiting for a miracle and just get involved with what God is doing. Get your mind off of what you might need. Get get your mind off of what's not happening, what prayer is not answered. Let's go to Acts chapter, I think it's Acts chapter 9.
Yeah. You know, another example, we'll read this in just a moment, but another example is in 1 Kings chapter 17. God shows up to Elijah and said, go to Zarephath. Now, what does he say? He goes, there I've commanded a widow woman to make a cake for you. Now, God had fed him by the ravens. But it, it, it had dried up. It, it, it had run out. But what did God do? He, he commanded a woman to make a cake. So all of a sudden, this woman that is about to make a cake and die, so to speak, all of a sudden, God's commanding her to be a miracle for him. But in the process of her becoming Elijah's miracle, all of a sudden now, Elijah becomes her miracle. Because right after that is when her son dies. He goes in and holds the son in his arms and takes him up and lays over top of him and prays and breathes life into him. And he, and he rose from the dead. Next chapter 9. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. It's verse 7. Thank you, Lord. I'm in Matthew. I'm like, this doesn't look right. Thank you, Lord. Look at verse 10. It says, now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to a street called Straight. And inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he's praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming and putting his hand on him. So that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered and said, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much he had harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentile, Gentiles, kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my namesake. So what are we seeing? God is taking Ananias. Ananias is seeking the Lord. God speaks to Ananias and says, hey, there's a man praying. Maybe you, you're the response to someone's prayer. Maybe God will send you to a person that's praying or a mother that's praying. The anointing on our lives is for us to do good works into other people's lives. You're anointed for a purpose. I mean, for in Acts chapter 10, the next chapter, we see Cornelius is praying. And what happens? He sends Peter. I think it's 1 Corinthians 7 or 2 Corinthians 7. Paul is distressed. Paul has a lot going on. But yet, he, I think it's verse, chapter 7, verse 6. He goes, oh, I thank so much for the coming of Titus. So Titus showed up. Why? Because Paul needed it. Someone needs you. There's Someone needs your encouragement. Someone needs what's on the inside of you. Someone needs the gift that you are. Someone needs the anointing that is on your life. Yeah. 
Let's go to Isaiah 58. And I'll start to close with this. Each one of us need a miracle, right? Amen. Now everyone's raised their hands now. I was like, I don't need a miracle now. And I, was, I don't know. I'm good. I'm good, Pastor Justin. I'm good. I'm good. But see, like we can, we can celebrate the anointing because we feel His presence. We can celebrate the anointing when, when God's moving in the room. But understanding it's always that its intention and purpose is to release it into someone's life. Get your mind off what you need. Get your mind off what you don't have. Get your mind off of... How you feel. Get your mind off what your emotions. Get your mind, because I'm telling you, you will be controlled the rest of your life. You're anointed for good works. Let's look at, let's unpack this. Start in verse 1. I'm going to read quite a bit of scripture here, but just stay with me. He says, cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways. Remember that. They seek me daily and they delight to know my ways. As a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God, they ask of me the ordinances of justice they take delight in approaching God. Verse 3 says, Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? In fact, in the day of your fasting, you find pleasure and you exploit all your labors. <laughs> what does this mean? It's meaning, it's meaning, hey, we're seeking God. We come to church every week. We read a Bible every day. We're approaching the Lord, but it's kind of like, God, you're not seeing all my good works I'm doing. God, I'm fasting here. Come on now. Show up with the anointing in my life. I need a miracle. I'm doing this, 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 and this. And I'm, I'm, I'm going here, and I've done that. And I'm, you know, I go to church every Sunday. And I, well, how come I haven't seen my miracle? I'm praying. I've, I, I confessed the word two times. And I'm, I'm, I'm you know, how come nothing's happening? I, I seek, I'm seeking the Lord daily. He goes, why have we fasted and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls and you don't take notice? Come on, God, I'm like cutting myself. I'm doing all these things and I'm throwing up ashes in the air, ripping my, my garment off. And that's, I don't do that, but this is, you know, if they're in their day. If, God, you're not. But it's like, it's like you're doing, it's, it's like the whole point is I'm doing something to earn a breakthrough. I'm doing something to earn this breakthrough that's coming from heaven. 
He goes, in fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exploit all your labors. Meaning you're telling God how much you do for him. And verse 4 says, indeed, you're fast for strife and debate. Meaning it's more, it's, you're more about trying to be right. <laughs> you're trying to prove how good you are. You're trying to prove all these different things. Praise the Lord, Pastor Justin. Thank you for this amazing word. And he goes, he goes, and to strike with fists of wickedness, and you will not fast, you do the, and you will not fast as you do this day. To make your voice heard on high. Actually, verse 4 again says, indeed, you fast for strife and debate. So God is saying, yeah, you do it, but it's not for the right reasons. And to strike with a fist of wickedness. He goes, you will not fast as you do this day. To make your voice heard on high. He goes, is it a fast that I've chosen? Meaning, is my fast about you? God's saying, the, the fast that I'm really looking for, does it have to do with you? <laughs> Thank you, Kenny, for laughing. I appreciate that. Remember, this is pastoral. I'm pastoral. He goes, is it a fast that I have chosen a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down, bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast, an acceptable day to the Lord? I mean, you're walking around telling how much you're fasting. Man, I've been eating 40 days, brother. I'm telling you, I'm... I mean, you're more, you're more intent in telling how spiritual, spiritual you are to people. It's like your spiritual badge of courage. I'm a, I get my... I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. Bless his name. <laughs> because really, ultimately, in our human nature, our human understanding in the reward systems that we have is, is, is still, whether we realize it or not, we, we feel like we should be earning a breakthrough, earning a miracle, earning everything. And we, it's almost like we keep score. I've done this for you, God. I've done this for you, God. I've done this for you, God. And how come you haven't answered my prayer? Because your heart's wrong. And you're immature and you need to grow up. Remember what I said? I mean, that we live no longer to and for ourselves, but to Him. Thank you, Father. <laughs> and to spread out sackcloth and ashes, would you call this a fast, an acceptable day to the Lord? Do you think God would be pleased with this? Now, God hears your heart cry, trust me. He does. He knows what you're going through. He knows where you feel alone. He knows... When people may have done you wrong. He knows all those things. Yes. Amen. But don't exalt what the enemy has been doing. Now let's look. What does a fast that pleases God? Verse 6. 
Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness. To undo the heavy burdens. To let the oppressed go free. And that you break every enslaving yoke. This. This is the fast that God's chosen. This is what God desires His people to walk in. This is what He desires you and I to champion. What He desires is for us to get involved with Him. Not for Him to... See, too often I I did this in my life where I was God wanting to bless my plan. Instead of me just getting involved with His plan. That's good. This is the fast that I've chosen. Meaning, my fast doesn't have anything to do with, with, with what you're doing on the outside. My fast has everything to do with what are you doing in other people's lives? What are you releasing in someone else's life? Is this not the fast I've chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burden, to let the press go free, and that you break every yoke? Verse 7, is it not to share your bread with the hungry? See, we like talking about the power part. We like talking about the breaking the yokes, right? We like the letting the oppressed go free. But how about, is it to share your bread with the hungry? Maybe it's about you doing without so someone else can do with. Is it not that you share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh? Think about that. This is what the fast fast that God has called. Our pursuit should be more about setting others free than worrying about Our own freedom. Because I want to tell you, God is faithful to His Word. God is faithful to His Word. So if you need a miracle, be a miracle. So let's let what does God say now? Let's look at verse seven again. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry that you bring your you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh? Verse eight, then. Meaning if I do this, then something happens. God's telling them if, if you live this kind of fast, then this is what you can expect. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. And your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call upon the Lord and He will answer. He will answer. You shall cry and He will say, here I am. So, so God is saying, when you lose the bonds, when you become someone else's miracle, then what happens is I'm showing up in your life with breakthrough. I'm feeding you. I'm pouring out in you. I'm strengthening you. I'm bringing healing to you. I'm coming like the spring rain. The glory of God's going to surround surround you like like He's going to be in front of you and behind you and all the way around you. So when you look up and you see people around you, see a lot of times we 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 want to operate in more power. We want to operate in greater ability. But are you releasing what you already have? You will recognize a greater anointing on your life when you pray for people, when you start to pray for people. 
Some are like, okay, Lord, when the power comes on me, that's when I know. Start where you are. Be at Walmart and say, hey, can I pray for you? Just take their hand and start praying. And what you're going to see is, is after a period of time, because of you, just your focus is the desire to release the anointing in someone's life. Then what you're going to see is you're going to see an increase in the anointing on your life. When you start sharing your faith over here in just a little way, the next thing you know, you're going to get bolder and bolder and bolder and bolder and bolder and bolder. And as you start becoming a living, a, 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 a fountain of living water and you start flowing that water out of you, all of a sudden it's going to come stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. But like I said, Lord, I, I wish you would show up in my life with power. That would be a miracle, right? God showing up. But what he's saying is, be one first. Be one first. I'm wanting you to see that the anointing is on your life for a reason. And as you operate in that anointing, God will make sure that you don't do without. Man. Like that. Your light will break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. Your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you'll call on the Lord and answer you. And you shall cry and he will say, here I am. Now, then it goes back to this. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness. Meaning if you stop pointing your fingers at other people. If you're more, you need to be more worried about breaking yokes off of people instead of putting yokes on people. Because that's what the pointing of the finger is. I'm putting a yoke on them. You operating in unforgiveness is putting a yoke, yoke on yourself. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you, if you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, now listen, if you extend your soul to the hungry and you satisfy the afflicted soul. Now we're dealing with someone's just emotional. Meaning you care where someone's at. You're concerned with your neighbor. You care what someone on the other side of the church they're going through. You, don't, you just don't come into church and, and come and hear a message and leave and never connect with another person. Why? Because your eyes are looking up and you're concerned about your family. If you extend your soul, meaning it requires maybe some discomfort on your part. Yes. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. I do believe something's happening by the Holy Spirit. Because I believe this has been a missing key in a lot of our lives for breakthrough. This is the key to the miracle that you may have been standing with for years. If you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, was it say, then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as the noonday. See, when darkness is all around you and the enemy is coming at you, you should be running. You should be running to set someone else free. 
Because when I do that, then the darkness that is coming against me, all of a sudden, the, the, the darkness, I love that, says, then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be like the noonday. Meaning, yeah, I might be in the middle of the night, but it's not dark. I might be in the middle of, of oppression, but I'm not oppressed. I should be broken emotionally. I should be this because of the darkness in my life. But hey, even in the midst of this darkness, hey, it's just like the noonday sun. Nothing's shaking me. Nothing's bothering me. Why? Because I'm giving out. I'm giving out and I'm not me focused. Some of you are like, uh, I'm not sure if I like this pastor or not. I don't know. Then your light shall dawn in the darkness, and your darkness shall be as the noonday. What also happens? The Lord will guide you continually. Do you want God to guide you continually? Then we need to be the ones that are extending our soul to other's people. The Lord will guide you continually. Now listen to this. And satisfy your soul in drought. And strengthen your bones. And you shall be like a watered garden. And like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Wow. This is to the person that is, is looking to be a miracle in someone else's life. Man, you're a miracle going somewhere to happen. Mm. Hallelujah. And like a spring of water of those whose waters do not fail. Verse 12 those from among you shall build their old waste places. Now listen to this. You shall raise up the foundation of many generations. And you shall be called the repairer of the breach. The restorer of the streets to dwell in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is what you shall be called. Hallelujah. What do people call you? How about you? But I won't be called this. The world could call the church so many things. Call the church weird, flaky, consumed with themselves, all about themselves. But he said that they'll be. This people will be called. The repairer of the breach. The restorer of the streets to dwell in. That's why we're anointed. That's why Jesus was anointed. The purpose of the anointing is to do good works and is bring, to bring restoration to other people's lives. And as we make that focus... God takes care of us. As, as we are, are we concerned, as we're concerned about his business, I'm telling you, he will take care of your business. If, that's why you've been anointed. To take care of his business. And as you do, I guarantee he will take care of your business. Hallelujah. Mm. You know, I do like preaching messages that keep people to shout and jump around, but but we need to 
But if you understand what I'm preaching, you, you would. And I'm not saying that for you to do that now. That's not the purpose. The purpose I want you to see is, is we are the, uh, the Christians in the earth. We are the anointed ones in the earth. So let's go be a miracle. Let's, let, let's, let's shake this community with the anointing of God. Shake your family, shake your world with good works. And I'm telling you, everything, those things I read, when you do this and this is what your, your focus is, I'm telling you, you will not lack for anything. And you will sleep so much better. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for the challenge of your word. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. There was other things, but I, I just believe the Lord took it a direction I nece- not necessarily was expecting, but we'll get into some of those things next week. Mm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You know, I'm reminded of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. And when he was in God's presence, in a way that he'd never been in before, he recognized his insufficiencies. He recognized where he had lack in his personal life. And he said, and he said, Lord, he goes, cleanse me. He says, for I'm a man of unclean lips in a people of unclean lips. And he said, cleanse me. And it says the angel in this vision took the coals off the altar and, and it said that coal, that presence, the fire, it said it purified him. And it was a moment after that, that all of a sudden Isaiah was delivered from himself. All of a sudden when Isaiah was delivered from his personal achievements, he was, and, he, and he recognized that, look, I have a great calling on my life and I can't do it without God. And it was, in the presence of God, it was just this place of making things new. It was a place of just washing old, old, old thought processes, an old way of, of being and thinking. And, and, and then immediately, the first thing he said after that, he goes, God says, says who, shall, who shall go for me? Meaning, who's going to go give them me? And what does I say? Here am I, send me. You know, as we close out this this time of the service, if there's things in your heart where I haven't put God first, I haven't. Yes, I'm, I'm a Christian. Yes, I'm. No, I'm going to heaven. Yes, I've been born again, and I've been concerned about why isn't this happening, or I'm waiting for this to happen, and and all that. And but I've seen this morning that it's been it's been an obstacle. 
Hallelujah. Just bow your head for a moment. Each one of us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God. And I thank you for the Holy Spirit. So today, as a church family, as brothers and sisters in Christ, today we give you the areas that we're needing miracle in. Today we give you hurt, we give you disappointment, we give you the the desire for a spouse, we give you the financial pressure, we give you the addiction, we give you our own personal frustration with ourselves. Lord, we repent where we've been so inward focused. Just out of your own heart, just just surrender to him. Surrender to the spirit of the Lord this morning. where we've been so me focused and so consumed with ourselves and not realize that there's a world around us that's hurting there's a world around us that's lost there's a world around us that's needing a savior we release it to you today repeat this after me. Heavenly Father, I'll bring my life before you. From this day forward, I choose to no longer live for myself, but to live for him who gave himself for me, who died for me. I thank you, Lord, for your anointing on my life. I choose to release that anointing in someone else's life. And as I do, I thank you, Lord, that you will take care of me. Spirit, soul, body, financially and relationally. Thank you, Lord. Let a move of God happen through me. Let a move of God happen in our community in Jesus name hallelujah give him a shout of praise today
Take a moment and just hug one another and encourage one another just for a moment. Release the love of God into them. Maybe you have an encouraging word to them. As you do that, Pastor Annette's coming up. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you for your love, just abounding more and more in this place. That your love would abound more and more in this place with each other. Hallelujah. You can go ahead and be seated if you can.